do do hello internet are you ready for our radio internet broadcast tom loves it when i call it internet radio giant robot smashing into other giant robots hello everybody and welcome to the giant robots smashing into other giant robots podcast i'm ben and i'm chris and we're going to be talking about the products that we manage at thoughtbot I run an app called FormKeep, which provides form backends for designers and developers. And I, Chris, run Upcase, our subscription learning platform for aspiring web developers. Hi, Ben. How are you? Um, I'm pretty good. It's, okay. It's Thursday afternoon. It is. Which is known as the ThoughtBot Friday. <laughs> it's because, the eve of Friday? Well, no, because Thursday is the last day that most ThoughtBotters do client oh, work. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then the Friday is like a special day. See, in my mind, uh, Friday is just a good thing, and today is still a day of like work, which would typically be considered not good. And right. The way I parse days has become very different since I started working here. I started to lament Monday holidays, because I was like, wait, then, then I don't get Friday, I don't get investment day, right. which I think speaks volumes to the value of investment day and how we view it internally. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm not as good as I have been other weeks. This was okay. not as good a week as other weeks. That's unfortunate. So yeah. I hear that, Ben. Um, What's going on? There are two factors. So one is like revenue is basically flat from last week. So we had like a nice string of like solid gains. Mm -hmm. And this week we're like up like 30 bucks. <laughs> and that just that bums me out a little bit. Per our conversation like three weeks ago when I was in the pits of despair, yep. you have retained that level of money. Like there is something to be said for defending earned monthly revenue true true it's not down it's monthly recurring and it's, revenue and it's so. up yeah it's actually technically up so and like if i look at when i look at our dashboard all the numbers are green mm -hmm. like everything's moving in the right direction churn average revenue per user active customers reactivated customers like all the things are looking positive it's just that this week is not as good as our previous weeks Okay, well, I mean, we talk about this basically every week, every but we have week. a really bad habit of uh, tying up our emotions in those graphs. Yep. Uh, I'm in the other camp, and I'll talk about that from the other side this week, but okay. I'm almost as annoyed with my emotional response to positive changes in the graph as I am to negative changes. Yeah, I feel we'll like a, back to that. a stupid rat lab laboratory animal of some kind yes. where it's like, oh, you've given me a treat, I'm happy. Oh, no treat, I am depressed. Yep. I'm basically exactly that simple these days, and it's pretty frustrating. Yeah. I also had another uh, sort of setback, which is last week I talked about uh, moving to a no credit card upfront trial yes. scheme, which we are still going to do. But after basically two days of work on it, I decided to put it aside for a little bit. Um, because So we're going to be removing the paper form stuff mm -hmm. code from the code base in about five weeks. And having that in there makes the changes I want to make a lot more complicated to yep. the point where I was like, I am so confused. I have to write down like in prose, like here are the states a user can be in and yep. what things will be said and what's true for them. And then even with that document, it was still like, it just every step felt painful. Right. And, and I couldn't shake this feeling like I'm just writing a bunch of bugs. And you were going to have to add complexity to deal with the current state of things when later it would be like, this will be relatively straightforward. Exactly. So I can see that in a, yeah. in, in a defined future point, it will be easier to make this change. Yeah. So I was like, I, maybe I should just wait until it's there. And I think we've talked a few different times yeah. on the podcast about the concept of make the change you want to make easy, right. then make the change. Yeah. And so you're kind of doing this by abstaining from implementing the feature right now. <laughs> uh, so yeah. All right. So you're a little bit down because you're not making the change that you decided was important. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's honestly probably the biggest thing. It was like, okay... I mean, because the week before, I was kind of like, ah, "What's the biggest thing? What's gonna, what's gonna, like, what's my biggest lever? What's gonna move the mm -hmm. needle?" And then it was like, "I think this actually is it." And then I couldn't do it, or I started it, and I was like, "This sucks." And now yeah. I'm kind of like back to that spot where I'm like, "Nothing feels quite important enough to be super important." And so I'm gonna, you know, get in there and like punch the clock and get some stuff done and try to move the ball forward on a bunch of things. Punch the clock, move the ball forward. <laughs> Love these. <laughs> Get on the same page, yeah. circle back. There's some low-hanging fruit that you should probably grab while you're there. <sighs> yeah, so I'm going to cliche all the things <laughs> because I can't work on the big fun thing that I want to. Podcast title. <laughs> I'm going to cliche all the things. Ugh. So, yeah, so revenue didn't go anywhere, and I don't feel like I'm like doing what I can to move it. I mean, yep. I'm, I'm not doing the biggest thing that I think will move it, and so it was just kind of a rough week all psychologically. Right, so, so here's my thoughts. Uh, first question that I have for you is, do you sincerely believe that holding off on implementing this until it's an easier change is the right thing i think so yeah yeah 
Uh, I agree from the conversations that we've had, and we've talked about this a little bit earlier in the week. Uh, that that sounds true, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there are other things that, if you back away from this thing that caught your attention, that you can find that will be meaningful. So I think there's definitely work that you can do. You can push this off. The other thing that I'll say, and I've noticed this in myself. I have a real tendency to focus very small, like week to week, and I'm looking at that graph day to day and things like that. Mm -hmm. There's bigger systemic things that you're working on, like you had to introduce a 60-day period on, I mean, it didn't have to be 60, but you had to grandfather some people in, and you're working with that. But there's a long game that you're playing here. The pricing changes were a big thing, and you're now in that space, and hopefully Mm -hmm. things will keep getting better. So. I like I said I, I agree I think it's the right choice to hold off on it and mm-hmm. so if it's the right choice and you know it's kind of unfortunate but I wouldn't I wouldn't be too unhappy about it sure I'd try I mean, to not be is right. I guess how I would phrase that yeah no I, I mean I agree I, I don't disagree with anything you said yeah which is two ways of saying the same thing yep <laughs> um gotta be a touch base about this later <laughs> um yeah but I, I yeah I feel very simple I feel like I have a, a stupid mind of this week where I'm just like watching the graph or like getting to work on the thing I want to. And if those things don't work out the way I want, then I'm like, meh. <laughs> like this week. Uh, yeah. All right. But that's why we have these therapy sessions. That is why we have these therapies. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so um, that happened. All right. Do you well, want to talk about more stuff that happened? Or do you want to talk about your stuff that happened? No, let's talk a little bit more about your stuff. We'll okay. get to mine eventually. But uh, Okay. So... I have one other funny. Th- or I, have, I have a funny thing. I'm gonna change. Let's let's change the tone. Change the tone of, of American politics and this podcast. Wow, lofty goals. So I discovered after a recent. So I, I found a bunch of JavaScript that was left over from the Ember time. Still, it was hidden in vendor assets JavaScripts, mm-hmm. which is not app assets JavaScripts. What's the difference, by the way? I don't know. Vendor is external code. App assets JavaScripts is yours, and in theory, lib assets JavaScripts is a third place for you wrote it, but it's kind of different, and it's not really part three of three places core. for JavaScripts. That's three too many. Brackets by default will look in all three, as well as every single gem. All three so, of those. So do vendor? So does my vendor JavaScript get compiled into the application JavaScript? Uh, vendor assets JavaScript is available to the asset pipeline. So if in your application manifest you say require jQuery, uh-huh. technically jQuery comes from the jQuery Rails gem. But if you had like Moment JS and you put it in vendor assets JavaScript, okay, and you said, but require, only if I put it in the manifest. Only if you put it in the manifest. It doesn't show up automatically. That's just... Hmm. So did you just delete random files? Yeah, I think so. So I don't think we were actually serving it. Probably not. But I did delete it. And that felt good. (laughs) That felt good. And hilariously, I ran... Ben's tirade against JavaScript continues. I've deleted way more JavaScript than I've written, which is wonderful. Um, (laughs) In fact, so I I checked my stats on FormKeep, and so far, after that change... Granted, I removed 2,600 lines of JavaScript, but... Net, I have rem- my net contribution to the form keep code base is negative seventeen hundred lines. Wow! How so? Net that. What is your lines of addition? Uh, you know, it's it's something. Hold on. Uh, so I've added forty eight hundred lines and removed sixty six hundred lines. Look at that. Funny enough, uh, I ha- also have a negative code code contribution on upcase. <laughs> so basically, over the last three years of my life, I've written something like negative three thousand lines of code. So what exactly would you say you do here, I ben? delete code and raise prices. <laughs> and thus far, vaguely effective. Vaguely, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, maybe uh, not this week, but other weeks definitely. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that was a thing. Um, we have, in terms of new stuff, uh, we are now tracking a lot more events. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to get a, a fully fleshed out picture of like what are people doing. Yep. And again, that feels like that's one that's an investment that takes a little time just to build up. Yep. Well, now I've got enough events to actually be able to say anything. And now I can start trying to change things and have that, you know, change the metrics. So Right. And yeah. so like and this is like actually these tasks came from our like growth board. Like so Dan Crook mm-hmm. was saying, like, let's get these things done so we know what's working and what's not and what yep. we can encourage encourage people to do and, and all that. So we're tracking like, oh, you configured an auto response or a webhook or mm-hmm. you integrate with Zapier or whatever. So now we're we're soon we will soon have better picture of things that people are doing Mm -hmm. which is good that that feels like a never-ending process like it's just always like instrument more things keep going keep sending data yeah but there is the like i remember you and i did it together on upcase there was definitely a foundation but we found like i want to be able to answer these questions like which 
trail is most popular or things like that on Upcase, and we just didn't really have the data. And so we spent, I think it was a few days, but we instrumented a whole bunch of other things. And following that, there was just a lot of new information that was available to me about how people were using it. Mm -hmm. And now that's that's still there. So there's that initial investment of getting it to a place of useful. And then I agree, there's definitely the continual tweaking of like, oh, I wonder about X. Okay, I guess I have to instrument that as well, but I already have all these other things. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, people keep asking me what analytics tool I'm using on FormKeep, which mm. is Amplitude right now. We've used Mixpanel in the past. We replaced it with Amplitude for some reason. Dan was like, let's do this. And I said, they Fine. have uh, some fancier growth curves and things like that. So the hmm. like cohort churn based on did you do X versus a group that didn't. And th- there's some fancy stuff in there. And it just basically seemed like similar tools and both integrate with segment is the other thing. So for us, sure. it's a pretty easy transition to just say, point right. the hose that way. And now the data goes over. Well, I mean, that's yeah. that's the nice thing about segment. So oh, I guess segment sure. is kind of the answer. Segment's crucial. We use segment as our analytics tool. And Amplitude is a intelligence platform, It's a bucket say. into which we dump all our data and ask them to sift through it. But at the same time, that data goes out to Drip. And so Drip can say whether or not someone subscribed and other places as well. We have some stuff going to Google Analytics on the Upcase side. And mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Segment and how easy it makes it to just kind of integrate additional, additional leaves in our data tree. Totally. Yeah. When I saw Segment for the first time, I was like, this is so smart. I wish I'd thought of this. They just, uh, they also have the, the what's it called? The, the Redshift database. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, awesome. honestly, we had it for a little while. I think we lost access to it. I think we had like a friend's trial did, thing. Yeah. Uh, it's probably good that I don't have access to it because, man, oh, man, I could find out this plus this plus this. Yeah, so and the gist of that is that they dump all your event data into one queryable database. Yep. So it's like, you can see stuff like, oh, how do I, like, what, how many support messages do I send from Intercom on to, to people on my highest plan who signed up through whatever? Like you can, so just, you can integrate various tools together because yeah. Segment sees all the data as it flows through, so they just dump all of it into your thing. Well, they historically, they've had the database thing, the warehouse, let's call it, for yep. events, but it was basically their hub sees things, and it's a, it flows out. Uh-huh. And so the nodes out, like Drip or Stripe or things, are downstream. Right. Recently, they added support for those downstream components to That's also right. integrate great back in so you can join with your stripe table and get dollar related metrics and then join with an intercom thing and join with the drip thing and be able to rather than having all the data flow out you now have a way to like can it's a little too much frankly i'm scared of it i'm glad i don't have it right now at some point and especially if upcase were bigger and we wanted to get much more nuanced with our intelligence i could see the crazy value in that but for me right now i'm fine with like who what are they watching okay good i'll make more of that that's Mm -hmm. what i'm gonna do now Mm -hmm. yep so yeah, that's what we use. Yes, I don't love Amplitude, by the way. I don't. It's I find it kind of slow and the UI not so great, and I'm not loving it. Did you use Mixpanel much? Uh, yeah, I like Mixpanel more. Okay, but I'm fine. They feel very similar to me. Definitely, um, with the promise of some nicer features in Amplitude. For both of them, I feel like they're a tool that you have to learn how to use well before you're really going to like them. Like that's yeah. Yeah, I don't know if this is entirely accurate, but I found that. Once I get the right picture in there, I'm like, oh, this is super useful. But getting to that place took me a while, mm. and uh, I've I've stumbled a little bit with them. But mm. they feel very similar to me between the two of them. They annoy me because when I log into them, I go to a settings page. I don't get that. If I go to Amplitude.com and log in, it takes me to Amplitude.com slash settings, mm. which is the settings for all the projects that are configured in Amplitude, which is a bunch of things. Yep. I don't know. That's... That's just like one example where like the UI is just like, eh, it's just not quite as good as it could be. Well, it's made out of JavaScript. No, it's not. Of course is it, it is. Really? Think about how dynamic it is. It is. There's so at dynamic. least a lot of JavaScript that. running. If not, I don't know if it's Ember or Reactor or whatever, but they're all some fancy yeah. convolution of JavaScript. That's how you get dynamic Stop fancy web apps. Stop with ben. the JavaScript. <sighs> don't get me started. I believe we're past that point. It really grinds my gears. <laughs> I love that phrase. I mean, that should be more of a thing. Yeah. You should talk about what grinds your gears. JavaScript grants my gears. Clearly. Yeah. And you don't even do it. You no. just delete it. Just watching it, man. Just having to use it. Existing in a world in which it's prevalent. I'm working in my head on a talk about like what's wrong with JavaScript. <laughs> no, actually about the core thesis is if you are writing an app that uses a bunch of like client side JavaScript, you're building a distributed system as opposed to a like server client system where mm-hmm. the client is actually not a client but a dumb endpoint. Mm-hmm. And you are signing up for fundamental complexity that is tremendously large and cannot be mitigated with technology because it's fundamentally a more complicated thing when the client also has state. 
And so like, it doesn't matter if you're using React or Ember or Elm or any of that stuff. It's just like, once there's state and behavior on the client, you're basically boned. <laughs> uh, I, I agree with the statement that you've opted into drastically more complex things. Yeah. And I think a lot of the web would be better if it were using uh, more traditional web techniques, HTML and submitting forms and all that great stuff. And mm -hmm. I, last week I uh, shouted from the rooftops how much I love the people who designed the internet and made redirects a thing and all of that. Sure. That said, I still like some fancy dynamic interactive web apps. I love the web as a platform. I love the reach and the distribution of it. And uh, I think so there's good stuff to be done there. There totally is. So like, if you're making Google Maps, I think you have like you have a decent case to make for like we want to make some fancy client sided yeah. stuff. There are certain things that just make sense that way and and make no sense as a traditional crud web app. Mm -hmm. But most people are making crud web apps. Agreed. Like almost everyone. And but then like these people that are really excited about like Ember and all that. Like Ember is, is I'm about to get in trouble. I think Ember is a tool for making crud web apps that have a shitload of client side complexity and it's just a horrible idea. <laughs> I mean, to clarify your wow, statement getting really here, angry. Maybe the I only I thing you've back. ever done is remove em with Ember is remove it from an application. So, <laughs> yes, I should. Yes, just, let's put some caveats There's some there. really interesting conversations to be had here. I, at some point, want to schedule a weekly iteration where it's Joe and I having this conversation. Or frankly, he's going to be even angrier. Uh, he's going to be more ornery, perhaps, or uh, also he's written JavaScript. So <laughs> I know. I'm, he has that data point that he can bring to the conversation. A, as usual. Uh, but I mean, you're a consumer of web applications, and in many cases, I'm sure you found ones that were written in JavaScript and failed. But that said, you've also found legacy PHP and CGI bin apps that are all server side and don't do good. So sure, yeah, it's true. The web's a hard place to design, and recently stuff may have gotten more complex. But anyway, some people make blogs in JavaScript. Think about that for a minute. It's literally just a document. It's text. Uh, I believe the FormKeep blog is in PHP. Uh, the hypertext preprocessor, also known as personal home pages. Yeah, it is. All right, but like, just saying, that's fine. <laughs> it's rendered on the server. It doesn't like shoot JSON down to the client and say, "Now build yourself a web page." There's definitely JavaScript in WordPress. There's definitely. I mean, it's probably written in JavaScript. No, aren't they? Isn't it rewritten it's in JavaScript? It's PHP, you're right. Yeah, uh, they redid their admin in React, but that's arbitrary for you because I don't think you interact with it much. I don't. We're running like some sort of. We're it's hosted on whatever. Anyway. This is a small digression. Reasonably <laughs> medium digression. Medium uh, large digression. Anyway, so you're not doing the thing. What else are you doing? What's your, what's your plans if not those? If well, not so that big we change? have done some other stuff. Uh, one is that we're getting pretty close to shipping the UI refactor. We went, I think I touched on this last week, but we basically decided like, so Tyson got into our the form keep styles and was like, this is a mess. I took a poke at the pull request on that. Did There's a lot of green and a lot of red. Yeah. The green and the red are fighting. Yep. There's um so we have a giant width. That's additions and deletions for people in the audience that can't for, for the color they can't hear the colors. Um so there's a giant pull request that's like work in progress yep. where Tyson is basically like, okay, so sometimes uh there's no one to maintain the styles over time and people yeah. come in and out and sometimes ben gets in there and messes stuff up uh, and so the styles need a lot of work so we're doing that work um so we're paying down basically a whole bunch of technical debt that was in the front end part of the app the yeah. markup is kind of rocky the styles are kind of rocky so it's, we're basically so when we wanted to do this thing that's basically a ui refactor it's not a huge change to the ui mm -hmm. it was like it actually this is kind of turning into a rewrite because we it, it will probably be faster to start from scratch yep which is such a tempting thing to do as a person and there's so, a wonderful bike shed episode about it where the yes. the three of them talk in great detail about the caveats and the yes that's that's yeah. worth listening to yes it's really good but so we're kind of doing that yeah. kind of doing the rewrite thing Oops. um and, and i knew that i was we we're going to be butting off a lot when i like green lit this project because that's what you do as a i'm a business in person these days yep but we green lit it green lighted the project and green so leaked. green leaded it but it's, it's coming along, and I'm really excited because it's building a foundation for future work. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, yes, this is bad, but let's make it good, and then future stuff will be faster, and we'll have a shiny new UI out of it. When you say future stuff will be faster, you mean the addition or modification of styles, right? right? Not the actual application. Um, I mean, maybe the compilation right, of assets will be a little faster or something. No, no, that's no. That's yeah, what you're talking about. Future yeah. work yep. that touches the uh, styles and markup will be faster. So an interesting thing has happened in the ThoughtBot world. This would actually probably be a really good uh, weekly iteration episode if you haven't done it already. Or in the in the uh, in the designer world where people are moving to this thing called BEM. Have you heard this? BEM. Yeah. Yeah. So like 
what I'm used to seeing is like styles that are page based. So it's like, oh, this is the admin page. This is the login page. This is the whatever page. And so your styles are like associated with that page. So, so we would like put a body class mm-hmm. on the, like, oh, this is the use, this is the admin page. Therefore yeah. everything inherits from that admin base Upcase class. Upcase has this. Yeah. Admin, uh, yeah. Upcase is definitely shaped like this. I get in like fights this. with it sometimes. Yeah. And so the new hotness, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking even more, uh, yeah. unauthoritatively than JavaScript is based, seems to have a, there's a whole new thing. There's a whole new thing. Like inheritance is out putting classes like extra small on your there is now okay even though it's not semantic something something don't worry about it is what the designers have been telling me okay so there's a there's a new game in town and so we're moving to that on yep. form keep as well so stuff is i'm, I'm hoping that tyson i, I want to get convinced tyson to write a blog post about this yeah um, although we actually just published one on our uh, on the, the robots blog uh about okay. them uh yeah i think it's partly about that and probably just about how we're doing it these days so as far as I understand it, BEM is one of a handful of architectural patterns for CSS. There's SMACS, which is another acronym. There's uh, OOCSS, Object-Oriented CSS. Mm-hmm. And I think they're all vaguely similar. Uh, and again, I, I'm overstepping my knowledge bounds here, but here we go. Uh, I think they, they all seem to have a, a similar thing where they're talking more about components and pieces rather than like a page. This mm-hmm. is a thing. It does this and that. Uh, and I'm going to go way off the deep end now and say oh that uh, in my free time, I've been playing around with React. And as part of that, React leans into the idea of inline styles or things like it. Uh-huh. Basically, styles co-located with the markup as far as its markup in the React world. But there's a particular library that I've been playing with called Aphrodite. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's from Khan Academy. It's how they do their styling with all their React application. And I really, really like it by just automatically by using it, everything is namespace. So there's no chance of making a style change over here that somehow breaks things entirely unrelated on another page that just happens to collide with the selector name. Mm-hmm. It actually uses MD5 under the hood to check some the styles that you create and produces a class name. And that's the class that gets applied, brings you those styles. It's some fancy machinery, hmm. but it basically says, you're only going to get the styles you want. We're going to do it via classes, but we'll compute the class name for you. Hmm. And then you get structural reuse, if you want to call it that, of those rule declaration blocks. Like if any two things have the identical rule set, they will end up with the identical class name, and your style sheet will only have that rule block once. So if I can never affect component B by changing styles on component A, mm-hmm. is there no reuse then? So you still have the cascade, for one, because that's just inherent to JavaScript. If you say on the body inherent element... To CSS? Hmm? Inherent to CSS? Yes. Okay. So if you say color on body is red, everything below that is red until you tell it otherwise. So Cascade's still there for one. Okay. For two, you do not have that sort of reuse, but you get reuse via components. So you get it via the mechanism of React. Like if this thing is a tile, then you have made it a tile component and thus it gets tile styles because tile styles live with the tile component. So rather than giving it markup that says I'm opting into these styles that are elsewhere, mm-hmm. you locate the styles with the with the component and kind of just works. You also, mm-hmm. because you're in JavaScript, you can do anything you want. You can import another file that has, say, variables. And you can say, like, I want this to be thoughtbot red. Thoughtbot red is a reference to this value that's stored in another file. Mm-hmm. So via uh, SAS, we get uh, variables and we get to use those. But they all kind of, they're global-ish within SAS, depending on how you do the imports and whatnot. That's kind of a lie. But anyway, I have not hit any walls with it, and I've really enjoyed it. It's been very interesting, and especially for designing applications, it's felt really good. And so recently, we recorded the Bourbon course uh, on Upcase, and that was using SAS and those sort of things. And Tyson did a great job of explaining how he thinks about documents versus applications. Hmm. So I was really intrigued by that, and I've been kind of playing around with those. But... That's my armchair styler opinion on that. I'm super intrigued by it. It's heretical, but it's also kind of awesome, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I'm excited. I would, granted, a lot of this is just ignorance, where I, I don't do it very often, and so I'm not aware of how to do it well. But most of the time, when I do touch styles, I'm like, uh, I feel very unconfident about if I'm doing this yep. right or if I break gonna, stuff all the time. I think, yeah, that whole like break another thing because yeah. you changed one thing that happens a lot to me. Yeah, the global namespace and the loose coupling and all of that it's it's a problem. And the idea of co-locating with your component it's uh, it's interesting. Cool. Well, it's nice to see that that stuff is moving along yeah. like the rest of the world is. <laughs> like 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 you wouldn't want to see like oh CSS never changes. Yeah. Like the way we write, we write CSS has like the same as ten years ago. Yep. 
So I guess that's good. Although I'm curious when we'll circle back and be like, guess what? Page-based stuff is amazing. You just have to think about the page. Everything old is new again, as it's, they say. It's pretty pretty likely to happen. The whole like abandoning of like the, but it's not the panic thing. Semantic is like, uh, we'll see. <laughs> it's funny. It's like, this class this class name is red. I, I thought we weren't doing that. They're like, nope, that's what we're doing now. I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah. Whatever. They know better than I do. Okay, so UI stuff, getting close. Cool. Uh, there, we were hoping originally to like have uh, the like very rough version zero out today. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen, but uh, you know, it'll just be one more week for two or three more weeks, and then it'll be out. You so uh, I have a question, probably for a couple weeks out, you, but uh, we can lay the foundation now. The Ember removal was a significant investment of developer effort, and now we're seeing a similar investment of design effort on the other side. And the way you've described both of them was sort of foundational investments in future velocity. Uh, So you can probably speak to the development one, the development side of the removal of Ember now, but uh, I think potentially this is interesting in a few weeks to say, was it worth it? Like, that's Mm -hmm. a lot of time that's gone Mm -hmm. into each of these, Mm -hmm. and has it facilitated faster implementation of features or could we have gotten away with working around it and this is always like this is a big and hard question of Mm -hmm. do you spend the time refactoring and cleaning up or do you just power through and get the features out there Mm -hmm. Uh, and particularly i think like the pricing thing was interesting because likely if you had decided to just buckle down and power through you could have implemented those over ember or pulled in an ember person for the few days Mm. and otherwise not a lot has changed Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's an interesting question and again i think it it will be even more interesting in a few weeks out when you can look back on that with a little more context Mm -hmm. but it's a it's a hard question and one that often we like when you're making those decisions you don't have the later data so uh, hindsight is 2020 but i'm interested what your hindsight will say a few weeks out. Yeah, I am too, but I honestly don't even know if you can tell even after the fact. Because I have to imagine a world where we had left where we had left Ember in and figure like what, how long would this have taken if we had left it. Well, in? I think you can look at what you did. So you have to actively do it. Like I don't think you're going to feel it in the moment. You if if anything you're hopefully just feeling forward momentum and things moving smoothly. Mm-hmm. But if you stop for a moment and say like okay, so we made the pricing change, that was this work. And then if we made this other change, that involved this work and try and imagine that in a world where the Ember stuff still existed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think you can at least make an approximation and Mm -hmm. make a guess about that. Mm -hmm. But uh, it is, you know, it is just an approximation or a guess. But again, I'm interested to probably have a chat about that in a few weeks and see where your feelings are on that. Sure. Because it's one of those big hard questions that comes up all the time on client projects and in general in the world of development and product management of do you invest the time now or do you just fight the fight, get it done, ship a feature, move as fast as you can with the current situation. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it is a question. A question for the future. We'll come back to that. Okay. One last big thing I would say. So given that I am not going to do the trial thing right now, I was like, what should I do? Uh, one thing that has felt that feels fairly high value is, and especially for the um, effort versus reward ratio, is getting the clear bit stuff released to more people. Okay. So just to touch on that for a second, Clearbit is a service for enriching data. So you can send them an email address and they will tell you information about that email address. Mm-hmm. Like that person works for this company, which has this many employees and is located in this location. And so we are enriching our fo- uh, only specific forms. It's not widely released. So basically you had to have to opt into someone's form basically. So will this be something that they'll only see when they're logged into FormKeep or are you going to like forward this data on? Forward along. Okay. So you're yeah. going to enrich the data and then forward it to so, wherever they wherever want. Wherever they want. Yeah. Okay. Um, it becomes That's like first class data, basically. Yep. So it shows up in your email notifications or gets forwarded along to Zapier, things yep. like that. So I started, uh, I was like, okay, I think maybe we should we should consider releasing this feature. because so, so someone asked for it. Someone heard me talking about it on the podcast and asked if I would turn it on for him. Right. And so I did. And I said, like, let me know what you think. And he was like, this is great. Uh, and the thing that, that got me to do this was he said, we have another form. We have a, a different form that we're using another service to host. But this is useful enough to make me consider bringing it into FormKeep. This feels like one of those differentiating and especially like tier differentiating features that could be really interesting. Totally. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, I think it's, let's, let's get this to some more people and get some feedback. So as you've seen, my, my approach is always like talk to customers, get, get feedback, see mm-hmm. what's going on. So I emailed a bunch of people who were like our, in our like good active user group and said, hey, do you want access to this feature? And uh, I got about four yeses. Mm-hmm. And so I've enabled it for them and said, hey, like, here's what's going on. Please tell me what you think. I'm spending yep. the next week or two on this. Like, Give me your feedback. Uh, so we have like a beta group going mm-hmm. to test this thing out. Central. I mean, that will definitely be one that you, well, I say definitely, but that's one that has an incremental cost for you. 
because you have to pay for access to the Clearbit API for X and higher uh, API calls. Yep. So you'll need to pass that on in some manner. Mm -hmm. I don't know how, like, you could say, perform, you can turn this on, and it costs X, or you could say this is a differentiating factor for this tier. If you want access to it, you must be on this or higher tier. Yep. Yep. Cool. N- new levers for you in pricing land. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I get that's that's gonna be one of the steps. Is like which yeah. which plans should this be in? Hmm. Get a sense of what it costs. Yep. Or, or more like yeah. I guess like how how premium is this? Who's interested in it? Yeah. And why would they naturally fall in those higher tiers? Just like my immediate uh, snap take on it is that's awesome. That's a really good thing. That's a powerful addition to your B2C folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I think we would automatically want to turn that on to anything coming into our contact us form. Like, mm-hmm. No question about one. it. Whatever the price, yes, obviously we want that feature. We need that uh, is my like initial take. So hopefully your audience will think so and you can charge a bunch. That'd be cool. We'll it's, see. It's amazing how many like to-dos I generated too, like when I created the like master Trello card of like, let's let's at, like roll out Clearbit. Yep. It's like update the FAQ, update the pricing thing, update yeah. this, email everyone, email that. Like it's there's like ten things and then like one of them was write the code. <laughs> Yep. And that was true for the trial thing as well. And then I was like, that'll be easy. <laughs> nope. Yeah. So that's that's this week. All right. That's the gist. The gist. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's see what's up in my world. So um, a lot of things in motion this week. Not a lot really changed in our world, but I think good things happened. Uh, Gabe has been in town this whole week. He's been recording like a fiend. Nice. Uh, it's been great. We actually kicked him out of the recording studio to record this podcast. Nice. Uh, but he's been recording a trail, and then tomorrow he's going to record a weekly iteration. Uh, that's been great on a lot of fronts. Uh, it's been great just bringing in another voice and another interested, passionate person from ThoughtBot. That's really the goal with this whole upcase thing. Yep. Uh, and one of my... Uh, big goals of late has been to get me out of that. I still enjoy producing content and being in content, but my voice has been much stronger than many others. So I want, I'm trying to back myself out of it uh, in a lot of areas. And so Gabe coming here is uh, has been great. Uh, I'm excited to see the trail come out. When you say getting your your voice out of there, do you mean? Are you still involved? Like, are you helping Gabe produce the trail? Yeah, just I from guess specifically my face is the thing yeah, that yeah. I want to get out of it. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I've definitely, and actually I've really enjoyed this aspect of it. I've worked with Gabe a few days this week just saying, all right, what's the outline look like? What are we doing? Hmm, I wonder if we could de-emphasize that, but let's focus on this. I think we really need to flesh this out. I've mm-hmm. heard this from users. Mm-hmm. And a similar thing happened with the intro to TDD trail that we recorded a bit back now and hopefully we'll be releasing someday. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll get around to it. I totally plan on it. Uh, but that I had been planning to be in the recording of that, and I decided I'm I'm in too much of this. I need to get away from that. Uh, but I stayed, and I was there for the entire recording, essentially acting as I don't know director, that guy that sits in mm-hmm. a chair and mm-hmm. yells out things as people are <laughs> up in front of a camera. Uh, and I repeatedly, I was very self-conscious about it. I was like, Guy, if, if this is just annoying, if I'm not helpful, kick me out. I'm happy to leave. I do want to be available to you if that's useful. Uh, and so far, everyone said, no, 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 it's useful. We like having the outside opinion and someone else's guidance. And in that particular case, it was them saying, like, it's useful to have someone who's not in front of the camera and not in the immediacy of the recording. Right. Hearing the words that we're saying and saying, oh, you use that term there, but that term doesn't mean that thing. It means this other thing in this context. Let's try that one again. Yep. Uh, so similar with Gabe's trail here, I've been um, supporting him as best as I can, trying to be available and, and help with outlines and things, but getting me out of the actual recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, and same with the weekly iteration. So this will be the first time since I took it over, I don't know, it's been a while now, uh, that I'm not going to be in the next month of weekly iterations. Nice. So uh, I think it's good. I'm I'm excited for that. I'm excited to get Gabe in there. Gabe is... Um, He's been on the weekly iteration a number of times, and uh, he's been an instructor of Metis, and he's uh, very comfortable in Metis front of... Metis being a boot camp uh, we used to run. Yes, Metis people. being a boot camp that we ran. Gabe and I actually uh, ran that particular group together. Uh, so yeah, excited to see what comes out of that. But that's been going on this week, uh, which has been interesting for me, both supporting and stepping away from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the domain transition, that's a thing that happened. Did that last week. This week has been cleanup. Uh, knew that that was going to happen. Some of the specifics of it have been interesting. Hmm. Um, so the first thing, and I knew this to a certain extent, but the, uh, I don't know, the intensity of it has been surprising. Uh, we've lost a good amount of traffic, um, <laughs> which is not surprising. Okay. That's the nature of this transition. It's basically Google's got a refocus and figure it out so in the best of cases you'll likely still see a dip that's my understanding Mm. i haven't done many of these before but that's what i understand from what i've heard on the internet and uh we basically 
need to uh, get a couple new authoritative links, really be like, no, Google, it, seriously, it lives over here now. Everything's fine. We're good. We're with friends. Uh, but we're in that process now. So I've been opening pull requests left and right on every repo that we have, changing the domain so that it's a single direct link pointing at a place that we respond with a 200 with an actual page mm -hmm. rather than redirecting and trying to get as many of those as possible. Uh, we also had some things that unfortunately were just technically not ideal. We had a lot of links that were coming in that were two or three step redirects. Mm -hmm. So X redirects to Y to Z, and then finally to the new thoughtbot.com slash upcase, whatever domain. Uh, so via that, I think we dipped a little bit lower than we would have expected, um, but we've worked through it. I think we're in a pretty good place now, and we're going to continue fixing that up, and hopefully we will grow and see much more traffic down the road. Uh, but yeah, that's that's been an adventure. Um, the, the way I've been kind of thinking about it in my head is this is surgery that we just did and as with surgery there's a period of like oh this is a lot of pain and i'm less strong than i used to be mm -hmm. and then following that you're stronger so that's the hope okay uh, i'll be on vacation next week so i won't be able to report back then but hopefully two weeks out we'll see uh, significantly higher traffic numbers that's that's the game here so a mm -hmm. uh, couple of things did shake out of it though as we're looking a little more closely at the traffic uh, one is our marketing team, while looking at a bunch of things and just trying to give some data around this, gave me a very interesting number, which is that uh, visit via search is worth $6, uh, which is an interesting number. I love having a number. Hmm. Uh, and so that number is calculated based on our conversion rate, which overall, uh, if you account for the like multi-attribution, and they might not convert immediately, but we know who they are and they later convert, we're at about 3%, and then we have a lifetime value of about $160, $170. Mix all that up, you get a value of $6 per person that lands on the site. 3% hmm. of searchers convert? Is that the or overall? 3%, uh, I believe the 3% is overall traffic to the site. So someone landing there, but organic tends to convert well for us. Hmm. Um, six bucks. So six bucks. I, I really like having a number. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really interesting because then it's it's kind of motivating to be like, oh man, no, I should really get a bunch. If I can get, I don't know, a hundred more of those, that's $600. Mm. And I like $600. I would like to have that. That is interesting. Uh, are you familiar with the book, Your Money or Your Life? Mm-mm. It's a classic in the personal finance world. And they have you go through a bunch of exercises, but the one that really stands out that they're kind of unique for is this idea of, all right, figure out your hourly wage, but then deduct all of the things that you do because you have a job. You have to buy work clothes. You have to commute. You have to do, you probably buy food. You buy lunch out in the city because you work in the city. So figure it out. You actually make much less than you think you do. Figure out what that number is. Mm -hmm. And now you can take that number and say, Every time I spend $6, that's 30 minutes of work. Mm -hmm. That's 30 minutes more in my life that I have to work. And so you change this arbitrary thing of like, I'm, I'm spending some money, whatever. Money doesn't matter. Money becomes time, and time is much more valuable. Mm. And so it changes the way you look at things. And this feels similar to me in that I've now taken arbitrary unit of one visit to the site and turned it into a dollar value. And since dollars are, you know, running the show at the end of the day, it's a, it's an interesting metric to have. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and hopefully it's one that we can improve down the road. If I can uh, decrease churn and things like that, then that number actually can go up. If we improve conversions, that number goes up. But for now, just knowing that if, say, this domain transition works out and we get 25% more traffic, that's a specific number that we can account to. Uh, which is interesting. I don't know it off the top, but it's interesting to like pin it to hard numbers like that. Mm -hmm. Another thing that's interesting that came out of it is uh, majority of our traffic is during the week. Uh, so specifically, it's on Monday through Friday. I've asked for a little more data on is it during what would be that user's work hours? Because mm. that gives me even a little bit more. But overall, this general thing tells me that people are doing, they're visiting Upcase and they're using Upcase during work which I hadn't really expected. Hmm. Uh, and I'm not sure would be true of some of our competitors. I think a lot of our competitors, Code School and others in that space are, you want to break into this thing for the first time. Your job is not that. You are you want to become that. So you're doing it in off hours. You're doing it nights and weekends. Whereas it seems like we are doing well in that Upcase is meant to be for intermediate to advanced folks. Mm -hmm. It seems like we're hitting that and they're they're using this at their job. But I feel like there's more that I can do like that tells me to really lean into the whole team plan thing because yeah. you're doing this at your job. Your job should be paying for it. And then yeah. they forget that that's on their credit card forever. Well, it tells me to raise your prices. 
that too. Although we still hear that, but I wonder if I'm hearing the the loud group of individuals, and I wonder if there's some way that like team, I guess, is the way to do that. I can mm-hmm. price it higher or differently for teams, and yeah. So there's some interesting stuff there, yeah. uh, and I like that that kind of fell out of the work that we're doing on the domain transition. But uh, anyway, that's there. Lots of work went into it this week. A little bit more that we'll continue on into next week to kind of clean that up, but. Hopeful that we've sown the seeds of great traffic influx in the future, and I'll certainly report back on that when we get there. Cool. Uh, a little bit more work on the trail that we're hoping to release, the Bourbon Trail. Uh, as always, things take longer than I expected. Uh, I'll be on vacation next week, but I'm hoping to get it to a place that Gabe can launch it while I'm out. We'll see how that goes. It's you know competing with all the other things that we have to do and customer support and all of that, but uh, we've been sitting on this for a while. I really want to get it out there. Uh, and following that, we've got a few more that will be recorded that I would love to be moving through more quickly. Mm-hmm. We've been releasing on sort of like a six month and then 30 months, and now we'll be at like a month and a half. So we're getting better, but I want to keep bringing that number down and be producing and releasing new content more regularly. Mm-hmm. So that's the hope. We'll see where we get to. Let's see. Another interesting thing is that uh, we made some money. Our MRR went up significantly this week. Uh, which is interesting for a couple of reasons. One, I've been feeling pretty down about that lately. And so now the number, the the line on the graph started going up. And what's really interesting is the line is very consistent over the past like five days. Mm-hmm. It looks like not just discrete points, but very much a line, a trend. Yeah, we're going up. Or at least this is what my brain, uh, particularly probably the lizard part, is telling me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if anything, I dislike that reaction as as much as, if not more than the negative reaction that I have to it going down. Hmm. It's like, this doesn't mean I'm winning. Stop it. And in fact, I have the traffic, the the depressed traffic due to the domain transition as another thing. And I'm like, you're just lying to me, Graf. You're just lying. Hmm. Uh, But one thing that I think it's telling me is that there's definitely latency in the feedback. So you you absolutely have this because you now have a trial in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think I am seeing that we have something like a two to three week latency in... I change something, two to three weeks later, I will see the related alteration in MRR. Hmm. And so I'm basing that on the fact that I accidentally turned off the emails. Two to three weeks later, stuff went bad. I turned the emails back on. We're now two to three weeks later right now, and stuff seems to be trending very well. Hmm. So I wish I could, I wish that was like a, a value. It was like exactly 2.5 weeks. Basically, I want m- better feedback. I want more rapid feedback. I hate latency more than anything. I'm used to TDD where I've got one second feedback on my tests and I'm running and ch- making changes and iterating and moving quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, nah, I got to I gotta kind of steer the ship and then hope I'm not heading towards an iceberg. And if I am, I don't know, turn the engines to full in the other direction and hope there's not another one in the other direction. But it's interesting that it tells me that. Also, I'm trying to mentally prepare for couple of like two to three weeks out where I know I'm going to have lower subscriptions than normal because right now I have lower traffic than normal. Mm -hmm. So maybe this is a good thing if it's always been true and now I better understand it. Maybe that will help me in my psychology around the project. Mm -hmm. Hopefully. (laughs) But yeah, so money's up. That's nice. Yeah, that's good. We'll come back to the specifics on that. That's cool. You made me, this this is something I thought of before, but uh, thinking about like our trial length, like I picked 14 days kind of arbitrarily. That might be an interesting test to run different trial lengths. I remember uh, Rob Walling in his talk, uh, how to 10x a business in 15 months or something like that. He gave it at MicroConf a while ago about Hittail. And he talks about all of the things. He basically inherited this business and then did a ton of stuff to turn it around and improve it. And one of the first things he did is he came in and he, I think they had like a, it was either a 60 or a 90 day free trial. And he was like, that's crazy. And the specific reason that he gave I thought was really interesting is 60 to 90 days is now my feedback loop. That's the earliest that I can be getting that that feedback. Mm -hmm. And if you take 90 days, that means I get, what is that? That's, you get four Four. of those a year. Mm -hmm. You can do four tests a year meaningfully with, you know, trusting the data and having enough Mm -hmm. separation and things. And like, Hmm. that's, that's way too few. You need to be able to iterate more rapidly. So should I be thinking, so it sounds like he's thinking very much in cohorts then. Mm -hmm. That's not really something I do. I wonder if I need to be thinking like that. Yeah, there's a tool called Amplitude that does a great job with cohort analysis. Right. But like, what am I... Like if I change something in the app, I guess I'm looking at like the latest cohorts that's going to come through and experience the new funnel or the new whatever. Is that the idea? Uh, I I think in general cohort analysis is 
is useful in that way. So you make a change, like for me, if I change the onboarding sequence of emails that people get, I need to look at the cohort that's coming in relative to the most recent one and try and compare those. If I look at the aggregate of everyone on the site, there's going to be, it's going to be completely outweighed by the noise of everybody else. Hmm. Yeah, right. Okay. It's difficult to do. I think Amplitude is actually like really well suited to this. I think that's part of what it exists for, but it is hard to do and hard to say like, of the users in the past month, that joined in the past month, tell me about them relative this other group that joined two months ago. Right. But that is the idea. Huh. Okay. I should be, I should look into that. Cause I just, I made some changes recently to the, like the activation stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So like looking at the people who have gone through that versus the people who right before them went through that. Yeah. I that's, think that's when you make those sort of changes, especially ones that are specific to a point in the life cycle of a customer, I think it's critical to do the cohort stuff. Mm. I say that I haven't done it yet, but that's the thinking. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where I plan to spend some time when I uh, probably want to come back from vacation and I'm diving into some of the onboarding and all that adventure. Hmm. But yeah. Okay. So trial length. That said, 14 days is probably a low bar on a meaningful trial. Uh, I don't know that for certain, but like some people give 30 days. Some people give bigger. Sure. A week maybe, but I don't know. It's, it's, How much it, lower can you go? Well, so it's interesting. I'm, that's one thing that I think is worth looking at is like of the people that stick around for a while, how long did it take them to get their first submission? Mm-hmm. My hunch is it's like an hour, if that. My hunch is it's like 30 minutes, actually. Right. Maybe that's not true. Worth but looking at. It's, you can, it's not yeah. like a product like like a drip where you need to like get an email course going yeah. and like wait to have someone go through it and then see if you converted somebody and all that. Like You should be able to get value from FormKey basically immediately. Like once you have, like you, you give us your credit card, we make you an endpoint. You just take that little URL, put yep. it in your action attribute, and like you can start sending us submissions immediately. Sounds like a test you can do. Yeah, I think it. And I mean, again, the shorter you get that, the more you can have different cohorts that you can test on onboarding and things like that. Right. And yeah, just getting paid faster is great. Right. So. That's cool. I mean, sure, but I think that's one that like turns out to be a wash. That'll immediately give you a little boost, but it won't give you a long term boost. Yeah, probably not. You're just shifting when it happens, but it's not a change in, in quantity, right. I think. And I think it's worth testing because who knows what that'll do to conversion, yeah, right? Like test test all the things. It could be one of those things all that people things are all like, the time. seven days, I can't possibly check the value of that. Speaking of tests, uh, I got a couple running that I'll give the brief summary on. Uh, we have two different newsletters. The, this is the primary newsletter. You show up to Upcase. You, for the first time, become a customer. You get either the sort of generic newsletter or the Upcase-specific welcome. Perhaps unsurprisingly, the uh, welcome, the more Upcase-specific one, is doing better. Uh, I realize it also has a discount offer at the end. Maybe. I don't know. It has a discount? Is this going to some customers? No. This is going to new I folks. See. This is you came, you, you off to access, us, yeah. or you just signed in generally via GitHub. Okay. And now we're following up and saying, hey, welcome to Upcase. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's one of two different sequences. Uh, and I basically decided, this was after I broke all of email things. I fixed email things, but I was like, wait. I should test this. I should make sure that the new one that I believed would perform better does. So this is a test to check that. What does this look like? What does what look like? What does the course look like? Or what is the the campaign that you send these people? So we have two different campaigns. The existing one was the Upcase newsletter, which you wrote. So that's a sequence of four emails, I believe. Okay. And they basically provide sort of generic links of like check out this ruby stuff yeah so it's hey are you interested can i share some ruby tips with you is the uh the first email and it's uh here's a post on giant robots about this here's something here's something i think the first one doesn't link to upcase at all Hmm. the second one some of them link to videos on wistia so they're upcase videos but they're not in the upcase domain and that's due to historical reasons we couldn't send people there they couldn't watch it right uh we've since built that into the system um, so it's really an unfair test, but I did want to check. Uh, and I will say this, your subject lines beat the heck out of my subject lines. Hmm. You get way better open rates. Hmm. That said, overall, the uh, cohort conversion rate for groups going through, I'm, I'm trying to compare them over a similar time length. And the welcome, which is more upcase specific, is at 5.9% conversion. The generic newsletter is at 3.5% conversion. Hmm. Uh, and again, that's with the subject line, massive win, not massive, but you're solidly like 10 to 15% better on open rates hmm. uh, than the emails that I wrote. I don't think I have that marketer speak in me. I don't know. Just a skill. But so I think what we're going to do is lock in the new one and then start to iterate on that. So 
I'm going to collapse down that test, choose the winning variant, and then open up a new test in which we're introducing a different template within the emails. So it's the same content, but one has a more stylized, upcase-specific template to it. Hmm. Uh, also fixes mobile styles because they're not really great in the current the base drip template. Hmm. Uh, and simul- really? Hmm? That's surprising. Yeah, they have a fixed width, and on mobile, that's not great. Hmm. Uh, so you're able to make your own and just introduce that and say, use this template for the campaign. So now we're adding in some upcase branding elements and things like that. But again, I think that'll perform better, but maybe people like the, this is an email, I expect it to be text and nothing else. So I want to test that as well. Alongside that, I plan to introduce tests for the subject lines of every single email that we're sending. Uh, Just let's try some stuff. Let's figure some things out. Clearly there's room to grow in that area. Mm -hmm. So my thinking is that I can run those two tests in parallel. And my reason for that is opening the email is a distinct action from clicking through on the content in it or eventually converting. They're not entirely separated. It's not fair to say, but I don't want to wait. I don't want to have to do one or the other of those tests. I want to be doing both. I think we can be improving on both of those fronts simultaneously. Okay. So tests across all the email subjects, introducing, uh, choosing the new sequence and then trying to iterate on the content of that or particularly the styling right now. Mm -hmm. And then eventually once we hopefully win with the new template, we'll move on to body stuff and things like that. But fun things happening in email land. Cool. Uh, Let's see. We made a change to the checkout a while back, probably about three weeks ago now. Uh, Simplified it down. It's now basically a big yellow GitHub button if you're not signed in. Uh, Trying to emphasize that as the golden path as much as possible. and Literally uh, golden. Hmm? Literally golden. Literally golden. Uh, That's shown a 6% increase. Now, granted, it's um, time series interrupted. Mm -hmm. So there's always the caveats that go with that. But in general, it seems to have improved things a little bit. And particularly, that's the magic point. That's the end of our funnel. That's where people give us money. Mm -hmm. And so that 6% is people giving us money. That seems to be a good thing. Yeah. Uh, And that coincides, actually, with some kind of fixing of the revenue curve. So if we got a nice bump there at that point in our funnel. Assuming we had hit a plateau, that's a nice way to kind of unstick growth for a little while while we fix on broader things. Uh, so cool, that's a win, that's nice, I think. We'll see, we're you know gonna keep an eye on it for a while, but so far it seems to be holding at 6% increase, which is non-trivial that deep in the funnel. Hmm. Lastly, we've been running a test on the landing page, changing out some copy and a few different things, rearranging a couple elements, uh, not nearly as extreme as the one we did back when, but trying to iterate on some of the content on there. And this one so far seems to be a dud, just null, no real change. Mm -hmm. So we may scrap that sometime soon and try something new, but the landing page is a great place to have a test going. So we've got one now and probably shut it down and do something else soon. Mm -hmm. I think that's about it. Lots of fun stuff. I'm feeling good about all of those things I just listed. Uh, also feeling good about going on vacation soon. So yeah, I, I like, I'm in that, um, the calm before the, no, not the calm before the storm. That thing that happens when you're about to go. The storm before the calm? The storm before the calm. Yeah. I think that's actually what I'm going for here. Uh, David Allen of GTD or getting things done fame talks about like, when are you most productive and focused and on point? It's right before you go on vacation because you know, you gotta be, you just, you kick it in. You get things done, you clear the decks, you make sure everything's stable Mm -hmm. so that you can stop thinking about it for a little while. So I'm very excited to stop thinking about it for a little while, hoping I can actually do that, but also excited about things seem to be clicking in, minus the loss of traffic, which hopefully fixes itself. Hopefully. That's the game. So that's me. Shall we we go to the questions? Let's quest. It's been a long one. Yeah, it has. We... we we rambled in the middle. We will say <laughs> digressed for a while into JavaScript and also CSS. All the things. Yeah. All right, Ben. Questions for you. Yeah. Uh, how is your app better for subscribers? Uh, some of them have Clearbit now. That's non-trivial. Like, yeah. That's that's an interesting thing that mm-hmm. I think will be meaningful down the road. Yeah. So. Hopefully so. Cool. Uh, what have you done to get more subscribers? I have finally linked the blog <laughs> back to <laughs> FormKey proper. Neato gang. <laughs> yeah. That was um that's cool. We're writing on the blog every week and not having any direct links back to FormKeep. Now people that do go to the blog can like subscribe to our email list mm-hmm. or like whatever or like opt into those like uh, um what are they called? Content upgrade things or whatever. So there are ways that we can stay in touch with you even if you don't go to FormKeep. Mm-hmm. We can sort of sell to you later. But yes, it's good to finally link from one to the other. All right. 
What did you do? Well? I have in parentheses, oh. idiot. I was like, that's my personal note to myself. <laughs> like, why did this take so long? I'm going to say, I think it's come up on the podcast a couple of times. Ed- so. I was editing PHP templates to do this, by the way. So. If only there were like a static site that you could just But then I wouldn't be able to have forms on it. <laughs> <clears throat> what did you do well that you should continue? I don't know. It, it was, like I said, it was kind of a rough week. I mean, I guess like, real, I think, I, I feel like the not doing the trial thing mm-hmm. is kind of like the responsible decision. Yeah. And like, it doesn't make me excited, but you know, I was an adult about it, I guess, and said, you can't have this shiny thing right now and you should, it'll be better later. So I'm delaying gratification. I think that was a good thing. It, yeah. it definitely sounds like you're, um, like particularly the graph going down a little bit and not mm-hmm. shipping any big things. Yeah. You're like, well, I did nothing this week, but I'm guessing that's not true. And it, if nothing else, I, th- I think that decision point was useful for you. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you do poorly? Um, hmm. I think I said this last week, but I like starting the day from home. I think working from home in the morning is really great for me because I like to make like a breakfast and like coffee and then do my thing. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm pretty. Pro- I feel like when I work from home, I'm more productive from like ten to noon. Mm-hmm. But when I work from home, I'm less productive from noon onward. Mm-hmm. And so I think I need to stick, if I'm, I'm going to do the work from home thing, I think I need to stick to the morning bit and then come in. There's something about like seeing people in the afternoon that like gets me like yeah. energized again. Yep. Or like I'm super extroverted. So like if the whole day goes by, like no one's around, by yep. like two o'clock, I'm like, I'm lonely. <laughs> uh, and so I think I need to like actually come back in and experience other people being around. And yep. I'm just like, oh yeah, everyone else is working. I'll work too. All right, here we go. Yeah. And I mean, it's different for everyone, but I think it's relatively common to have peak energy in the morning and yeah. then a dip in the afternoon. And so if you can use extroversion energy uh, in the afternoon to help bring you back up that all makes sense but keep the the quiet focused productivity of the morning so, yeah uh what are your plans for next week um we might ship the ui which would be pretty cool um so that's like a, a hope if not a plan to be clear this is both a re-architecting of how the styles are implemented and changes to the styling correct they're now so you see differences yes 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 yeah okay. it's not just the refactoring of the styles it's like like yeah so this visible. was the opposite of make the change easy then make the change this, this was, was burn down the whole site <laughs> and then make the change <laughs> and then build a brand new site that has changes in it is basically i wish you deployed was. the without any styles version in between because now you don't need the javascript and the fanciness you could oh, get by with so just cool. pure html man semantic am- html on its own that would be amazing Try it. I dare you to build a company that doesn't use any CSS or JavaScript. <laughs> Joe Ferris would love us. I think a lot of people would. Yeah. Like maybe you can have a little tiny bit of CSS. A little bit? Yeah. There should be limits. CSS 2 and you, below. You can have 300 bytes of CSS oh. and two bytes of JavaScript. I do love arbitrary constraints. I'll yeah. say that. Your tests must run under six seconds. Yep, right? It's a thing. Fork your tests run in 10 seconds, by the way. That's so not bad. Put that in your pipe. Upcase does not do that. Yeah. Back when FormKeep was an Ember app, mm-hmm. the test suite was like a minute and a half. Spinning up those QUnit tests. and But like, it did so much. Anyway. Yeah, uh, so. Ben, how's your MRR moved? Oh, also clear a bit, I think, is what we're going to, is potentially, well, is quite likely to become more I think more people will have Clearbit next week. Okay, so you're going to roll it out to additional testers. I'm guessing this doesn't mean launch it with full docs not, and pricing. And not sure. Okay. I'm not sure how much iteration it needs. Like it, it works, and uh, like based on the amount of time you took thinking through the pricing, and I, th- I think it was good to think through that and spend some time. This feels like one that deserves similar consideration. And if you're still trying to figure out who and how gets value from it, I think yeah maybe not rushing into it. I mean, if you come through and you're clear and you're like, nope, this should be a $5 add-on to any form mm. or it should be a tier. Like if, if you're clear on that, definitely then definitely put it out there. But I wouldn't be surprised if this took a little bit longer to fully germinate in your mind. Yeah, okay. So we'll see. So like maybe UI, maybe clear, but <laughs> maybe just a bunch of small things that are make me sad because none of them are big enough. Maybe Haskell. <laughs> yes. Uh, Rewrite the whole app. All right. How about MRR? Up or down? Uh, it's basically flat. It's technically up $28 to $68.39, which is like no percentage, basically. <laughs> All right. Uh, why is the product better for your customers than last week? Uh, weekly iteration, nothing more than that. Okay. One weekly iteration episode went live. Okay. Uh, what have you done to acquire more customers since last week? Uh, additional, I'd say... Uh, locking in of the domain transition, so pointing a lot of canonical links at it, fixing up some of the redirects and things like that. So hopefully doing work to make the domain transition effective. Mm-hmm. Have you considered just 404ing upcase.com? I haven't. Okay. I have not. Um, don't consider that. Okay. What did you do well that you should repeat? I think being available to Gabe and helping 
A, clear the decks. I basically said, like, don't think about anything else this week. I've got all support. I've got all the other things. You just focus on the course. And however I can help you in that, let me know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think part of my job, if I'm doing it right on Upcase, is supporting other people, producing content for the platform. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm happy with how that went. I'd be interested. I've done this once before with Tyson, uh, kind of a debrief after the fact of, like, how did this process go for you with me being on this side of it and you being there? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think I'll probably do the same thing with Gabe and see what his thoughts, if there's any where I can improve this process, clarify things, yep. help. But overall, I feel good about how that's gone. That reminds me of a thing that I, I, I thought was interesting. So on, on, I think, pretty much all of our client projects, we do a weekly, a weekly retrospective. Yep. But I've never done that on the products, mm-hmm. where like even when we have other ThoughtBotters working with us, that might be a good thing to add. I do have, a, I mean, this week we haven't done it because he's been focused, but uh, we have a weekly retro on Upcase where we do that. Interesting, yeah. Um, has, it, has it felt useful? Yes, I think so. It's uh, largely also it helps inform the podcast, particularly like what are we doing next week? Mm. Uh, it helps answer that question. Uh, it's also a good, you know, in, in the general way that retros are a good point to step back. We haven't always had it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think I introduced it somewhere when Ragu was on. Mm-hmm. So probably about four months ago. And generally, I found it useful. Um, okay. It also helps Tom comes in and we make sure that we've got all scheduling and things ironed out. So there's some kind of particulars to upcase that make it right. almost a requirement. But then there's the more general, like, how are we feeling? What do we get done? What do we think we're going to get done? Anyone have any concerns? All of that. And hmm. it's been useful. But then again, we do have two full-time people on Upcase, right. where you have people rotating in and out. Right. Uh, the one thing I would say that it might lack is an advisor. Uh, I'm acting essentially mm-hmm. as advisor and product manager and a lot of different things and right. you're doing probably even you're one person having fights with yourself right yes uh, i definitely have fights my product manager and my developer in my head they have fights yep. and it's weird mm-hmm. i think an external voice is useful uh and i think if we could get that and we still are trying to figure out what this product team thing is here as well and i think there's an aspect where that could all become a thing mm-hmm. but yeah retros are good retros cool. and stand-ups yeah we have been doing the stand-up uh, what did you do less well that you should reduce? Uh, technically, the move of the domain. There were a couple things that uh, we didn't have quite as well ironed out as I would like. Broke Stripe webhooks for a few days, mm-hmm. um, which is not terrible. It meant that people didn't get receipts immediately, but Stripe is good about holding on to them. Mm-hmm. But I did get an emergency email on Sunday that was like, hey, we tried 13,900 times to fire a webhook, and it didn't work, so we're going to shut those down. They said it in kinder words, but that was the email. Uh, and it's really interesting. Stripe makes the very purposeful decision to say webhooks are only successful if they get a 200. Mm-hmm. 300s, anything in the 300 space, not okay. Interesting. Which they, is They don't want to follow your redirect. They don't, which is weird because that's against the fundamental laws yeah, of the I'm internet. Yeah, I'm curious why they made that decision. Uh, I, Stripe is a company that does amazingly good work that is very purposeful in their actions. I'm guessing it's something related to security, and I'm guessing it's a very purposeful decision on their part. doesn't seem like they're like, nah, we got lazy and decided not to follow a redirect. Right. Uh, like, I think they have particular machinery that inspects the request and says, if 200 else fail. Right. Which, normally, if you just say make a web request, it's going to follow the redirects. Yeah. Unless you're doing it with curl. Then you have to tell curl to follow. But, yeah. you know, it's one flag. I wonder if it's like, you don't think it's a performance thing, do you? Like they don't want to like waste the time chasing down your redirects. I mean, they they held on to them and retried thirteen thousand nine hundred times, sure, and then eventually okay. so I was like, not. oh, I fixed that, and they were like, cool, we'll redo all of them for you because we're nice. So, mm. I don't think it's a performance thing, um, but I'm not certain. Maybe okay. someone in our audience knows. Stripe's, I was surprised. Stripe's pretty legit. I, yeah. I agree. They probably have a good reason for it. That's my guess. I was surprised though because last week I, I remember talking about like mostly it just worked stuff just follows yeah uh and in general this week nothing was fundamentally broken it was broken from or it was suboptimal from an seo perspective if we're doing three hops each of those hops in the eyes of google is like you lose a little bit of the goodness that you had uh so it was ironing out those but nothing was like broken broken mm-hmm. except for the forum the forum did break super hard the forum had hard-coded associations to urls and so it suddenly was creating new threads for every single video so we had to turn that off but then discourse folks were kind and helped migrate it but now it's still broken because of javascript not really javascript don't go too crazy but more complex than i want to talk about now but okay yeah so did poorly i think we could have been a little more prepared for the domain transition but i think we have fixed everything and there should be no lasting harm we just might see a dip two and a half weeks from now in mrr we'll see (laughs) okay Oh, wait, the other thing. I waited too long to go on a vacation. I'm definitely like... You've done that before. Yeah, I'm not great at vacation. Oh. Uh, I'm 
close to burnout, feeling burnout type things. Just I've been in it. My head has been in this thing and, uh, and I have not taken any vacation in a while. So I'm excited. I'm going to a desert and I'm going to not connect to the internet. Maybe we'll see. I'm not good at that, but, uh, I'm hoping to be kind of fully out of the game and really try and disconnect. And thankfully I think we're in a good place where a lot of stuff is lined up and I can be like, all right, let that go for a little while and see what happens when I come back. Do you feel like a week is going to be enough to reset to get back to a good place? I hope so. I'm not sure. We'll find out. Okay. Uh, but I think at a minimum, it will do good. I don't think it's going to be one of those things where like only two weeks would be sufficient and one week is a waste. I think it will be beneficial regardless mm-hmm. uh, just to get out of the immediacy of things and kind of relax. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. I'll report back. Cool. What do you hope to do by next time? I guess go on vacation. Uh, vacation is uh, big up there. And then uh, a couple more things related to the domain, just trying to get a few more links and really lock this thing in, basically make sure that's stable before I leave. And then also get bourbon ready to launch, launch it. We'll see. That will be largely on Gabe. And so it's a question of where we can get it before I go and if he'll be able to work through the rest, but that's largely what we're going to be doing next week. So he's going to be doing. Sorry, Gabe. All right. Sorry. Bourbon. I decided to start writing these down. Mine? Yeah. Accountability buds. I ha- So you said bourbon and what? Launch bourbon, maybe? Launch bourbon, maybe. Uh-huh. I mean, it's loose domain work. I'm not going to, it's hard to measure this one. It's like, there's stuff that I'm going to keep doing on this domain transition and building links following this, but it's a handful more of canonical links pointing at thoughtbot.com slash upcase. Okay. So last time you told me you were going to point more stuff at the new domain, you mm-hmm. did that. Done? Yes. Sitemap Ton update? Of stuff. Yeah, that one's fun. Done? Yeah. Thoughtbot.com has a new fancy sitemap and ready for anybody else. Nice. Help Gabe record. Yep. Feel Done. good about that. And launch the next course. Womp womp. Womp womp. Not sure. So, we'll get so that bourbon's on there week. a second week then. Yes. Okay. Again, I'm, I'm making a special star. Two weeks. That's good. This uh, this sort of forced honesty thing of talking in front of many people about stuff we're doing is fun. I like it. No, it is. It's good. I uh, I'm gonna fail some weeks. I know that, but I like the accountability of it. I think it's super useful. Mm-hmm. We talked about this a bunch the first few times, but masterminds and whatever this is, <laughs> accountability. It's good. What is what what is what are we doing here? What is us? I don't know, but we've been going for an hour and we should probably wrap this up then. No way. Uh what's your revenue? Oh right. Uh no, I'm excited about this one. Uh, I'm at thirty four nine three three, which is an increase of four hundred and ninety nine dollars since last week. Damn AKA one point four percent. Wow, you knit, got all the points. I did. I'm prepared beforehand, but excited. That said, I know a dip <laughs> is coming. I don't I don't know what to make of this graph. I hate this graph. I love this graph. It is my life. Yeah. I am this graph. <laughs> if I could like have someone lock me out of bare metrics, except for like once a month, that would probably be healthy. Yeah. Maybe, maybe once a week, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, I'll catch you next time. Sounds good, Ben. All right. Today's show was produced and edited by Tom Nom Nom Obarski. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to giantrobots.fm slash 195. Thanks for listening.